great summer. Yeah, did you try new things? Did you grow? Did you learn stuff? Was there some experimentation going on? Brand new me. Was there spiritual growth this summer? Because that's exciting, right? That's the journey we want to be on. And I want to start by thinking about spiritual growth for a minute, okay? See, because we're all on a journey to spiritual wholeness, and God is transforming us, right? We have this beautiful promise from God that uh, he will give us new life and that he will be deeply involved in our spiritual formation, our growing up in him. And, uh, and, and, and it is an exciting, exciting journey. But what are the signs that we're growing? What are the, what are the indicators that this is happening in our life? That is a question. So I want, want all of you to put on your thinking face. Thinking face. Hmm. What are the signs of spiritual growth? Hmm. Well, I'm going to talk about one of those signs, one of those stages in our spiritual growth, one of those uh, indicators that we are moving in the direction that God intends us to move in. And I'm going to lay it out for you and give you a chance to take that step if it's a new step for you, okay? We're going to talk today about honesty in prayer. Being honest with God, all right? It's not the easiest thing in the world to be honest with God. So let's begin with this question. Are my prayers honest? Am I being real with God when I pray? You know, uh, I grew up uh, in, a, in a church tradition where there was a lot of emphasis on showing, we, we, you know, putting your best foot forward, right? Showing that everything was good even when not everything was good, right? Uh, there was, there was an emphasis on, you know, maybe dressing up on the outside a lot, no matter what was happening on the inside, right? And that culture spilled over into our prayers. We didn't come to God and say, today's a bad day. We came to God, and every time we prayed, said, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, even when we weren't feeling that way. And at some point, we stopped being 100% honest with God. And we started telling God what we think he wanted to hear. Right? And this became a bad habit. And I am encouraging us today to reflect on this and not have that culture of being dishonest with God. Okay? So I'll just ask you to advance a few slides there. And uh, we're, going to, we're going to ask ourselves the question, do I only tell God what I think he wants to hear? Because, you see, God has saved us. And so we believe that we're supposed to respond to him by saying, uh, everything's fine now. 
and uh, you know, uh, we've arrived, right? Because we, we tend to think of things as binary, right? 100% good or 100% bad. And we're not ready to engage in the journey, the process, the, the, the incremental change. And so we, we feel this obligation to keep telling God that everything's good even when we're not feeling it, even when we're not experiencing it, even when things are uh, difficult or scary. And I'm going to say that that's part of our sinful nature. Our sinful nature thinks we have to clean ourselves up before we go talk to God. But our reality in Christ is that we can go directly to God's throne room with confidence. And we can talk to Him today without fear, without acting. We can just be who we are in God's presence. So we asked this last question. Are my prayers intimate? Meaning, you know, I'm, I may not be very good with emotions. You know, I'm a guy, right? Uh, I'm a guy born in the 70s. We, we didn't have sensitive men back then, right? You know, uh, all of our grandfathers had calluses on their hands. They didn't teach us anything other than to avoid the hand, right? So we, we didn't grow up with this, this idea that intimacy was something that we were supposed to uh, enjoy or seek out. But it's what God's great gift to us is. And we need to ask ourselves, are we truly sharing our inmost thoughts and feelings with God? Not the ones we think he wants to hear, but the ones that we really are feeling, experiencing, thinking, questioning, doubting. Are we truly sharing that with God? Because sometimes we fall into formal prayers. And we pray prayers that are along the lines of, Dear God, sir, way up in heaven. You're so far away, and you're so perfect. I'm sure you know what you're doing. I'll do my best, too. And that's how we think we should pray. Right? Well, we need new teachers. We need, uh, we need to rethink our prayers so that they're everything God wants them to be. Okay. Kids. Kids are honest, right? Uh, uh, Kids will always tell you what they're thinking, and they wear it on their face. If they're not happy, if things aren't going the way they are, they can't fake it. They don't, they don't play you, right? They, they just like, what? No, I don't like that. No, that makes me unhappy. Oh, but you promised. And my favorite, it's not fair, right? It's not fair. Every kid, they learn how to say mama. They learn how to say dada. Then they learn how to say no. And the, third, the fourth thing they learn is, not fair. Not fair. They're convinced it's not fair. We got a cartoon to remind us uh, of what kids look like when they pray, all right? Or what kids look like when they say things are not fair. It's, uh, can you show us the cartoon? It's, it's, it's this raw honesty, okay? It's this raw honesty. We're not in any way trying to... Uh, uh, we're not in any way trying to put on makeup or to put on a mask or to say, uh, God, I, I don't like this, but, you know, you're God, so it must be right somehow. So I'm not going to say I don't like it. I'm just going to say you're God, and I'll be okay eventually. You know, the problem is me. The problem is me. It must be me, right? You know, when kids are disappointed, 
they let you know right away. They don't, they, they, they don't say, well, you know, maybe dad is really smart and wise, and uh, he knows why I can't have this ice cream cone now. Um, I, I think this is a good learning opportunity for me. You know what? I think, I, I think the problem is my own maturity here. I'm not, I'm not mature enough to see what dad is, is, is talking about when he says, I don't need an ice cream cone. You know, I, I want one, but, but it must be me. It must be me. The problem must be me. No. Kids are like, it's not fair. It's not fair. It's hot outside. Give me an ice cream cone. They don't, they, don't, they don't wear a mask. But when we come to God so often, we won't look like the boy screaming with his mouth open. We look like we're supposed to look. We put a mask on when we pray. We've got to break this habit. We've got to get beyond this. Okay, no masks, no makeup. We need to be real with God even when things aren't going well. So, hands up now. How many people, prayer is easy for you? Hands up. We've got a few, yeah. There's always going to be people who are, uh, who are gifted with the ability to pray. And they can come to God in any situation, in any circumstance. And they can pray with just their heart open to God. But for the rest of us, it takes work and it takes practice. Just like learning the piano. I'm two years into learning the piano now. My fingers are getting slower and fatter. And the music is not starting to become beautiful yet. But it's worth it, right? Because one day I'll sound like my daughters. And that, that's, that's something to aim for. One day I can be as good as my children. I'd, I'd love that. That'd be wonderful. So, who taught you first how to pray? Just say the name. Who taught you how to pray? Who is the first person that taught you how to pray? Say a name. Was it your mom? Was it your grandparents? I heard that. Well, who are you learning from now? Who's teaching you now more about prayer? Here is a premise. Here's the thought. It might not be enough to learn about prayer once when you first decide to follow Jesus. It might be something we need to keep working on because prayer is not easy, right? I didn't raise my hand. Prayer is not easy. We need to keep working on it. We need more people teaching us how to pray. We need, uh, we, we need to develop the skills over time. It doesn't come easy. JB, did you pound on this thing and break it? There's a, like a crack in it. That would have been a cool sermon. I want to see that one. How do we learn to be more honest in prayer? How do we learn how to have this raw honesty with God? Well, there are some teachers in the Bible. Okay? We're going to look at Jesus, but first we're going to look at King David. Okay? So we're going to look at the Psalms. The Psalms are a beautiful book of the Bible that is like a training manual for how to pray. And there's many different types of prayer there. We have uh, worship and thanksgiving. We have petition or asking God for things. We have lamentation. And we have prayers for the whole community. And we're going to look at lamentation prayer today. And we're going to look at this honest prayer of when we are not happy, when we are not great, and when we are disappointed with God. So this is our example for today. We're going to look at Psalm 13. And uh, let's see. Uh, 
Uh, let's, let's just read this out loud together, starting in verse 1. Together. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? Whoa, whoa, stop. This isn't working. That that's just doesn't sound right. Is there, do we have a young man out there who's wearing sandals right now? Anyone wearing sandals or flips? No. It's summer. No one's wearing sandals? Okay, all right. Uh, I'm going to just ask for a volunteer who's wearing no socks then, at least no socks. All you stylish boat shoe people. One volunteer who's not wearing socks. Anyone? I volunteer you. Come on up. All right. All right, so you're going to put this on. Uh, this is actually a Moroccan uh, cloak. Yeah, so this is the bottom. It, do it doesn't have a zipper. You just got to put it right over the top. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to try to try to get our King David on here, all right? We got we to gotta make this look and sound right. Yeah, yeah, good, yeah. yeah. There you go. Get it all the way down. Yeah. All right. Good. Now, uh, like a good Hebrew, we're going to pray with our head covered. Oh, no, no. You got to do that. Yeah. So all the way forward and then halfway back like that. There you go. All right. Looking really good. Now, when you pray as King David, you're standing. Okay? So we got standing here. And we want the arms up. Both arms. Both arms up. Well, maybe. Yeah, something like that. All right? Okay, now, can you help me? Can you read that first line? How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? Excellent. That's exactly what we're looking for. Thank you very much. You, you, may, you may continue to wear this uh, during the sermon, or you can take it off if you get too hot, all right? Everybody stand up, please. Thank you. Thanks to our, uh, our, our, our volunteer. Uh, we're going to pray like King David, okay? Hands in the air. This is a cry of the heart. This is not something uh, that you could read on a grocery shopping list, okay? So let's read this together. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Thank you very much. You may be seated. The Psalms are our teachers. They teach us how to pray. And this psalm is teaching a very particular type of prayer. It's for when we're disappointed in God. It's for when we have been praying, but God has not been answering. How cool is it, though, to have a prayer like this in the Bible? I mean, this is, this is the permission not just the guide, but it's the permission to pray an honest prayer, isn't it? When you feel God is distant, don't pretend it's not real. When you feel that God has not been listening, 
You don't have to pretend that everything's still fine. Right? When your loved ones are hurting or sick, you don't have to pretend that you don't question God and that you don't doubt his love. You don't have to pretend. You need to be honest. Have you ever felt like this? Have you ever felt abandoned by God? You can have some hands up if you want. Ever felt abandoned by God? Have you ever gone through a, a phase in your life or a time where you really felt that distance or you really felt that God wasn't showing his love for you, wasn't answering your prayers? You let me down, God. It's not fair. And it hurts us to admit that, that we feel that way, that we're thinking that, that we're somehow in a place where we know God loves us, but we still question whether he's really good. Right? And it hurts. It hurts. Like the man in this, fo- the man in this painting here, his, his disappointment hurts him on every level. When you are spiritually sick, you're all over sick. But so many of us put on a mask, not just when we come to church or visit with friends, but even when we go to pray. So we need to fix that. So this psalm, teaching us to pray honestly about these experiences. Don't deny them. Don't pretend everything is good when it's not. Keep it real with God, even when he disappoints you. So let's look at some of the features of an honest prayer, of how to pray uh, like this psalm. Number one. Be real with how you feel. Not, God, you're a good God. But, how long, oh Lord? Will you forget me forever? Okay? Real feelings. Real honesty. Be real with how you feel. See, it's the cry of a wounded heart. King David, standing, crying out before the Lord. How long? How long? this hurts. And you need to share that level of intimacy with God. Let him know exactly what's going on inside of you. Point number two, explain how disappointed you actually are. Okay? You, you, don't, you don't sugarcoat it. I know I don't have the right to be disappointed with you, God, but I'm a little bit over here, not so, you know, I'm like, uh, I hate to say it, you know, maybe you dropped the ball there, God. Uh, I'm sure it's my fault. 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 No. Name it. Say what's going on. My God has hidden his face from me, says the psalmist. It's despair. Okay? Right? It's despair. Explain your level of disappointment. Number three, name your fears. Name your fears. When you pray to God, if you are experiencing questions or doubt, don't say, I know I'm not allowed to doubt God, because he never says that. Name your doubt. Name your fears. Name your worries. Name your concerns. In our psalm, David says, look, God, if you don't save me, the enemy is going to win. He's going to triumph over me, and I'm going to die. It's going to be game over. And God, we really need you to show up here. I'm afraid that if you don't act, and you've been waiting a little too long to get started, then I'm going to die, and the enemy's going to win. That's wrong. That's bad. Name your fears. Say what, you've, what, is, what is it that is motivating you uh, 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 to feel the way that you do. 
And number four, recognize that you need to take it to God when you have these feelings, when you have these fears, when you have these thoughts, when you have this disappointment. We have a tendency to be ready to go for coffee with someone and to sit with them and talk with them about it, right? But never actually pray. Never actually talk to God directly. Uh, I, I'm a chaplain. I'm a workplace chaplain. I spend a lot of time with people who really don't want to talk to God themselves. And so the, they try to talk to me instead of talking to God, right? And they try to process things out loud, and they find it very helpful. My challenge to them again and again is, now you tell God what you just told me. We've got to take it to God. And in fact, you know, we, we, we do know that God wants us to support each other. But we're not really helping our brothers and sisters if we say, talking to me is enough. Because it never is. You have to go to God. You have to take it to God, not just to your brothers and sisters for support. Okay? That's a reminder for all of us. And so we have, uh, in our psalm, David says, Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Okay? It, it's, it's the only way to get resolution, is if God answers, is if you actually are in communication with God himself. And number five, we're going to use scripture to remind God of his promises. Okay? See, David is reminding God that he is the covenant God. God, you made a promise. You said that you would protect your people. You said that you would defend the king of Israel against all enemies. God, you made a promise. Okay? And David is reminding him of that. Now, uh, we, we, we often actually don't do this. We think that this is somehow... Uh, wrong. We're not allowed to remind God of what he's supposed to be doing, right? But that is exactly what we need to do. We are supposed to remember God's promises and take them back to him and say, but God, you promised. But God, you promised, and it hasn't happened, or it hasn't happened yet. Okay? What's going on here, God? I'm disappointed. I'm discouraged. I'm waiting too long. We, we're so ready to say, Oh, it must be my fault. I must have misunderstood that promise. See, it, it says it right there so clear in black and white. I must have made a mistake because, you know, God didn't do that. Take it back to God and challenge him. This was your promise. You haven't fulfilled it yet in my life. So, everyone, I'm going to ask you to help me out with this. So everyone say, God, you promised. Say it like you're challenging God a little bit. All right? God, you promised. Thank you. All right. So we're going to just go through some quick examples here. All right. So everyone, God, you promised. All things work out for good for his children. Romans 8, 28. God, you promised. Everyone, God, you promised. God, you promised every spiritual blessing in Christ. Ephesians 1, 3. But God, you promised. Again, everyone, God, you promised to supply all our needs. Philippians 4.19. All our needs. God, you promised. Here's another one. God, you promised. 
to never allow temptation beyond what we can bear. God, you promised. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. One more. God, you promised. A life more abundant and free. God, you promised. John 10, 10. Take these promises back to God in prayer. God, you promised. You see, he does keep his promises. But we stop praying long before our prayers are answered. Almost all the time. We quit. Right? We quit. And God wants us to practice uh, a, a committed life of endurance in prayer. And I encourage you to take steps by praying scripture, praying promises back to God. All right, number six, here's something else that we learn from this psalm. Uh, we need to remind ourselves of God's past acts, things that he has done in the past, right? We need these, 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 these landmarks. Uh, the Bible uses the word Ebenezer's, right? These, these milestones in our life where, where God showed up, God did this, right? And we need to have that in our personal life. We need to have that in the life of the church. And we also uh, uh, need to help our children uh, recognize these stories of when God showed up, when God acted, the signposts. You see, uh, in our psalm, David says, I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Even though he's disappointed with God, he makes the choice, I remember the past. God has been good to me. I will sing his praise. So he's, he's got his turn, right? He's turning. He's like, I'm disappointed in you, God, but I'm not going to stop praising you. And, and so the psalm turns there at that verse. The last one, number seven, state your faith in God because he's your only hope. You don't have a hope in medical science, really. You don't have a hope that the economy is going to turn around and you're going to get a better job. You don't actually have a hope that she's going to finally notice you one day after all these years of ignoring you, right? Your only hope is God. Your only hope is in God's action. You cannot put your hope in anything else. So state that in your prayers, in your honest prayers. And so our psalmist says, I trust in your unfailing love. The Hebrew word here is hesed. It's the covenant love. It's the God's promised love. He's never going to fail. He's never going to, uh, uh, he's, he's never going to walk away from his, his covenant love, his everlasting love. Nothing can resolve your need for God but God himself. There really is nothing else out there that can satisfy. Nothing. You need to put all of your hope in God, just like the psalmist did. See, I'm a chaplain, and, uh, and, and, and I know that everybody does go through pain in their life. And some of us carry trauma, and we carry pain through our entire life. We have to keep battling it because it affects us. It changes us. It challenges us. And I want to encourage you, by praying honest prayers to God, you're able to manage that better than any drug or alcohol or any gambling or any workaholism or any of the other vices that we cling to instead of God. They will not help you manage the pain in life. But an honest relationship with God will. By praying these types of prayers, you can manage the pain of life.
You don't have to pretend you're not in pain if you follow God. You take it to him directly. All right, I'm going to show you a photo of uh, my sister-in-law. That's Romy, uh, and those are my two nephews. Romy is Czech. Uh, my brother and her met, of course, in Pakistan, uh, where they were serving on mission together. And uh, so now my, my, my dad loves to joke. He says, yeah, I never could have guessed that I would have a granddaughter named Wei Ling and another one named Jia Ling, and that I would have grandsons named Radovan and Bodan, and that's, that's them there. So not very Anglo names uh, for, my, for my dad to have to work his way around, but he's got them now. In June, uh, my sister-in-law, uh, Romy, she had a headache, and so they went to the clinic, and they did an ultrasound, and uh, they, oh, there's a bleed there. So let's do an emergency surgery and fix that bleed because, you know, we don't want a stroke. And they discovered a tumor. And she's had three surgeries now uh, in the past uh, two and a half months. And they, uh, they've told her, uh, there's no hope. You're going to die of brain cancer. Very likely soon. It's a very aggressive form of brain cancer. And it's at times like this that we have to be honest in our prayers with God. Romy is the life of that family. How can God make the mistake of taking her home? Well, he does command me to pray and pray that she will be healed. And I will continue to do that even though there is no hope. But there is always hope in God. But it's not easy for me to be honest when I'm praying. If I'm, if I'm honest when I'm praying, I'm coming to God as I did this morning, and I said, well, God, you know, I don't really have enough faith to pray that she'll be healed. Everyone's telling us there's no chance. Why do you want me to keep praying that she'll be healed? Maybe I should pray something else. Give us the grace to manage this crisis. You know? uh, help my brother, you know, overcome uh, his feelings and fears. Well, those, those are good prayers. But God has commanded me to pray that she'll be healed. I don't have, have enough faith. And so my honesty in prayer is necessary for me to keep praying. If I am dishonest with God, then I'm not really praying. Right? Because I can pray lots of prayers for Romy that I don't mean. But I'm, it's what I'm supposed to say. But I need to be honest with God. And perhaps you've been in that situation where a loved one is hurting or suffering or ill or walking away from the Lord. And it's so hard to be honest with God and to keep praying for them. But that's what we have to do. We don't have to say fake prayers. We have to say real prayers. We have to keep them going. We can't stop now. So when is it hard for you to be honest in prayer? Well, one of the times that it's hard for all of us is the long, dark night of the soul, which is part of our spiritual journey that we all experience at some point in our life. And it's when we go through a spiritual crisis, when we find ourselves in a situation where uh, we really feel as though God has actually abandoned us, that we're so far away from God, that we love him, but we doubt that he is going to save us. And uh, theologians and scholars teach us that this is the long, dark night of the soul, is what it's called. And uh, I want you to know that this is when we have to be honest in prayer. It's one of those times, just like when we're praying for a loved one who's ill or dying. Because when it feels like you're drowning, when it feels like there is no hope, 
God is teaching us to come to him in an honest way and to tell him what's going on inside of us. Even if we don't believe uh, that we're coming out of it anytime soon, we still have to keep praying. Okay? Uh, one of our examples is Jesus. And uh, he's an example of how we need to pray. And he also uh, prayed very honest prayers. So uh, we can learn a lot by reading his prayers. By the way, the psalm we read today, Psalm 13, it says, of David. You know, biblical scholars teach us that all the psalms that are of David are the prayers of the Messiah. So if you go through the psalms, you'll find a number of them that are a psalm of David, of David. So it doesn't just mean David, who you know, was standing here showing us how to pray, good David prayer, right? It also is referring to Jesus. Jesus' words are in these psalms. And uh, that's a really cool thing, uh, biblical literacy. You know, that's great. Um, so it means that Psalms 13 is, a, is the prayer of Jesus. It, it, also, it also means that Jesus is giving us an example of how to pray with intense honesty. Jesus didn't call us to fake it. Jesus called us to be real before God, just like he did. And did you know that Jesus also went through the long, dark night of the soul? Do you remember when that happened to Jesus? When he felt abandoned and alone? That he thought God wasn't with him anymore? Let's have a look at the next slide. In the garden, before he was arrested, Jesus prayed. And he prayed in anguish. The Bible says that the sweat fell like drops of blood because he was in so much pain and suffering. He was deeply wounded by the fact that he had to die on the cross. And he did not want to go through that experience. And instead of saying, God, I know this is your plan and you're really wise and therefore, it, you know, I don't like it, but I'll just do it. He poured out his heart to God in honest, heartfelt prayers. Prayers like Psalm 13 where he said, God, you've abandoned me. God, I'm going to die here. The enemy's going to win if you don't show up. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the phrases that, that he uses is, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. It really reminds us of, of Psalm 13. And this, this level of honesty that we need to imitate in our prayers as well. And... Uh, do you remember as well when Jesus was on the cross? He cried out to God. He cried out, said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's actually quoting a psalm. That's Psalm 22. He's quoting that psalm on the cross, saying, My words written in Scripture, and now I'm repeating them here on the cross. And Jesus meant it. He's accusing God of not keeping his promises. And we know that Jesus had to die on the cross so that we could be saved, so that my life could be free from the curse of sin, that I could have intimacy and closeness with God because my sins are going to be paid for, that Romy's life could have meaning no matter how long or short it is, that my life could have purpose and direction. It's necessary for Christ to die on that cross, but that doesn't mean that he had to fake it when he was there and say, it's all right, God's sovereign, it'll be okay. No, he is showing us how to pray honest prayers, no matter 
how unpleasant, how difficult, how painful it is. Because Jesus did this, we have life, we have hope, we have salvation. And you and your loved ones do too. But it wasn't easy. All right. <laughs> uh, we're going to do a review now. So uh, I, I would invite the keyboardist to come up and join us. Um, I've got a few psalms for you to pray, and you can uh, uh, make, a, make a note of these. Uh, when you need to be rescued, uh, Psalm, sorry, I can't read that. Psalm 6? Yeah. Anyways, hopefully you can read those. And just make a note. Uh, to, th these can teach you how to pray. So for our review, we're going to pray with confidence, okay, church? Jesus taught us to pray this way. Let's pray with confidence. Let's be honest in our prayers. Let's be real. Let's not be fake people. We don't need to be putting on a mask. We don't need to be putting on makeup before we go to God. He needs, he needs to hear us say what we're really feeling, what we're really thinking. We need to wrestle with God in prayer. You know, when Jacob wrestled the angel, he said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. We're pretty lazy in prayer. And we assume, well, God, it's all up to you anyway. So I'll just say a little bit, and then I'm going to stop. And then if you decide to bless me, well, it's your choice. We don't wrestle anymore. We think somehow that uh, we're not supposed to. If we're going to be honest with God, we're going to wrestle with him through the entire dark night of the soul. We're not going to give up. And I encourage you not to give up either. State your doubts and fears. It's okay to tell God when your faith is weak. You don't have to pretend it's strong when it's not. Don't let go before the blessing comes. And then remind God of the scriptural promises. Demand that God fulfills those promises in your life too. Not just everybody else's, but in your life. Pray without ceasing. Don't be a quitter. Don't be a one prayer guy. I'd like to pray for you. Would you stand? I'm going to pray Psalm 20 for you. Please stand. Psalm 20, for the director of music, a psalm of David. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices except your burnt offering. May he give you the desire of your heart and make your plan succeed. May we shout with joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests.